0: The Song Confessional contains mature themes and adult language. Put your babies to sleep. Hey, this is Walker Lukens, and you are listening to the third episode of... Song Song, 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 Song. Song.
1: Confessional! Here's
0: what we do at the Song Confessional. We travel around the country in our little blue camper trailer and we record people telling us stories anonymously. We take our favorite stories and we give them to songwriters that we love who then write and record an original song based on your anonymous story. Each episode you'll hear one of these anonymous stories. We call them confessions. You'll hear the song that this confession inspired and you'll hear an interview with the songwriter. I am sitting here with my landlord uh, what what's your name I am Zach Catanzaro and why did you follow me to work today because you owe me a shitload of money I think that's a fair exchange he, uh, he could just beat me up so <laughs> I'll, uh... yeah, but that doesn't really pay but yeah take your landlord to work day is uh every day Wow Talk about a I'd w- be such a weird PSA yeah <laughs> so take, take your take landlord your to landlord
2: work- to work day it's like you're taking your landlord to work in your heart that's why you're going to work. <laughs> Because you're like, "Fuck you, landlord! I owe you money sooner than I should." <laughs> Zach, tell us about today's artists. We've got Vlad Holiday this week. He is a badass Brooklyn-based musician, born in Romania, grew up in New Jersey. He did grow up in New Jersey. He did. Survived New Jersey.
0: Yeah, so did I. So that's that's an award-winning feat. Uh, Vlad only has a couple singles out. Under his own name, they're all superb. He produces, writes, and records them himself, and he tells us about that in the interview. Um, but you might recognize his face from two other bands he used to be in. One is Jetlag Gemini, mm-hmm. uh, who, which was on Doghouse Records in the early aughts. I just gagged saying that phrase. <laughs> he was also in a band called Born Cages. What's the name of the song that Vlad wrote for us? It was always there. And and what's what's this confession about? If we can say. Basically, a woman's mother's profession. And I promise you that this woman's mother has a way cooler job than your mom. Yeah, it's not boring. It's, yeah. it's definitely far from boring. What, what did you, what did your mom do, Zach? A
2: lot of odd jobs, um, but mostly she was a special education teaching assistant. Very noble profession, yeah. but not anywhere near as exciting.
0: Yeah. How about your mom? My mom uh, has done a lot of things. Um, she worked at a bank. She ran a daycare. She was a teacher for most of my life. Um, Nowadays, she is an Episcopalian priest. Oh, that's
2: weird. That's not something you hear every day. My mom's a priest.
0: It's true. People always think I grew up very religious. I didn't. This is Mm. sort of a late in life thing for her. Um, Does she take as many confessions as you do? I actually think I take more than her. Uh, the, The Episcopalians don't really do the confession thing like the Catholics. Oh, okay. Obviously, you're not Catholic now, but you did grow up in the church, right? I grew up extremely
2: Catholic. I was an altar server. uh, I was in music ministry. I helped with nursery. I taught faith classes. I did it all.
0: So what do you think about confession?
2: (laughs) You know, with all the terrible shit the Catholic Church has done, I actually feel like confession's the one thing they got right. You sit on the other side of a partition of a potential pervert, (laughs) you tell them all
0: the bad shit you did,
2: and you're absolved and you get to go to heaven.
0: If only it were that simple. Pretty good deal. Yeah. Well, without further ado, here is today's confession.
1: Confession. Thank you. Oh my goodness.
3: Cool.
1: Hello. Hey, how's it going?
2: Doing pretty well. How are you?
1: I'm. I'm doing good. Ready to get some stuff off my chest, man.
2: Wonderful. Well, proceed however you would like.
1: All right. So. When I was 16 and being very, very nosy and snoopy around the house, I kind of discovered that my mom had a basement marijuana growing operation. Uh, In our house, there was a basement that I didn't know existed. I was never allowed to go into it, and one day they left me home alone, and so I knew where mom kept the key. And she had like 15 lights. A full growing operation, like all of what I would later see in Pineapple Express. (laughs) And I'm 16, which like, so I've smoked marijuana. How do I not know that underneath me, my mom has a huge illegal growing operation? And as I start to try and figure out whether or not to confront my mom, I start to realize that I'm living in this really rural community and everyone around me has marijuana growing operations not unlike humboldt county and so years later a documentary series happens on netflix and one of my mom's neighbors and best friends is on the documentary series as being called an og of bringing marijuana from afghanistan to the united states to cultivate new varieties of marijuana And i learned that this guy who was essentially my uncle smuggled some of the original marijuana into humboldt county and then moved up to washington state where i was after humboldt became like over invested with like too many like grow operations and so they started up there and i later learned that my mom cultivated with him Sensi star which is a very famous marijuana to this day my mom still has a grow operation legalization made her go smaller she refused to legalize because you know fuck government taxes and all that so it's much smaller and now i'm aware of it but my fucking mother invented one of the most prevalent marijuana brands and i'm not allowed to talk about it to anyone
2: that is that is i've I have no words right now.
1: (laughs) Like, if you wanted to, man, I could provide you fucking documentation of how they came up with it. We have the books of what they crossbred. It was, like, Northern Lights and one of the Afghani kushes that they got. And so, like, you know... And I'm a huge marijuana smoker now because obviously I'm raised in that hippie lifestyle. So I guess the second part of it is that I live in fucking Texas now. So my mom, every other week, mails me a package of weed through the USPS (laughs) from her own grow up. And that's really nerve wracking. She only grows indicas because I don't know if you know this, but sativas grow very tall and are like hard to handle, whereas indicas will stay very uniform with each other. So the bigger thing, though, that I need to get out to you is that when I was 18 the police did raid our house. Wow. Mm -hmm.
2: Okay, yeah. Well, definitely describe what that was like. That had to... And this was... You found out when you were 16, correct? I figured
1: it out when I was 16. Okay,
2: so you're already in the know for a while at this point.
1: Yeah, and the way I find out is that fucking Dare comes to my school and, like, puts the marijuana, like, in front of us and is like, marijuana has a very distinct smell. And my best friend looks at me and she goes, this is what your house smells like. (laughs) And that's when I started snooping. My mom, you know, comes clean. My father was like... A military politician and so he had this high level of desperation to keep it an utter secret and he wanted to lie mom tells me the truth so we kind of let dad think that I don't know but mom knows that I know and then I turn 18 and I'm I'm in my room I'm gonna go to college in a few months and I'm just kind of like I don't know reading watching TV probably secretly smoking pot because I could get away with it in the house because mom was always smoking pot so dad would never know where it came from and then there's a knock on the door and all the dogs start barking and all you hear is a low deep voice police we have a warrant and 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 my mom like hops up and she's like fucking stay in your bedroom and she opens the door and the police come rushing in and my father's in the shower and they go into the bathroom where the strange person is and they like They like detain my father against a wall and execute a search warrant. So there's like there's like what feels like 50 cops in our house executing a search warrant. And I'm 18 thinking that this is it. My parents are both going to jail. I'm an adult. I can go to jail because (laughs) I turned that age. And what had happened was my mom had gotten a tip that somebody who had like a police scanner had heard that the cops had suspicion and reason to enter their house. And so my mom killed her entire crop in the basement like days before it happened. She just over, she turned the heat way up and all the plants died. And so the police go down and they carry out hundreds of dead plants. And we learn at that point from an attorney that we hired that because the plants were dead and couldn't be distributed, that she couldn't be charged. So it's awkward and mom's taken to the police station and dad's taken to the police station and they leave me as the kid, the 18 year old. They leave me at home alone. Everybody goes away. Our house is completely trashed. Like the furniture is flipped over, like the lights in the basement, they've hacked away everything. They've pulled down all the lights down in there. There's no electricity functioning in the house because they've cut it up as part of like the search warrant raid. And they leave with my parents and because I'm 18, they do nothing with me, but leave me. As, like, a person who didn't know what was going on because my parents obviously protected me and were like, she didn't know what was going on. And I have to call an attorney for my drug dealing mommy. And I don't think I've ever really gotten over the fact that my parents paid for everything, like, from college on down, not from my dad's life as a public service politician, but because my mom made bank as an illegal weed grower. You know, after that all goes down, she doesn't regrow. She sells the house. And my mom has no skills other than being really fucking good at growing marijuana. And so, you know, marijuana is legalized in Washington. She's allowed to have a grow that's like, I don't know how many lights it is, but she made it cross lights like the Weeds episode because she's like obsessed with that show. And uh, she's
2: the main character. She's
1: the fucking main character. And I'm the teenage children that have to deal with the ramifications. Mm -hmm. But on the bright side, on the bright side, I get all my marijuana for free in a package my mother mails me every other week. But the last confession I want to make is that upon my father's death, which was only six months ago and he was in a wheelchair, all, all different things, but upon his death my mom decided to take a trip with some friends to Europe and she came back from Amsterdam with a pack of seeds that she, and I just, I need to get this out there because she only told me, my mom smuggled marijuana seeds so that she could grow some new kinds of marijuana in her vagina. And over winter break, I went home and mom asked me to help her plant and cultivate her vagina seeds. Cause it's a lot going from seeds, you know? Cause like you gotta sex it and and, and and you can only have one male because if there's too many males, it's not like smokable THC. But so I'm really excited to say that she has a new variety that she's just put together, that she's really proud of. And we're really excited for it to hit the market. I adore her. She's amazing. That's but I just wonderful. need to get out that my mom is one of the OGs of weed. And, uh, God, she's a fucking hippie.
3: Production Vlad shows up at the studio with nothing but an idea. He knows he wants his song to feel dark and stoned like you just polished off a blunt in your mother's secret basement. He starts strumming some minor chords. He makes the beat really, really slow. He adds some effects to make the drums spooky. He adds more effects to his voice to make it sound tricky. The song pours out of him. Suddenly, four hours have passed in a smoky haze. Vlad looks at Jim and asks, how long is it? Jim responds, four minutes and 18 seconds. Vlad looks over his shoulder and says, make it 420. Here's the world premiere of It Was Always There. I'm finally seeing
4: what's in front of my eyes. Couldn't live here forever. has got stories that it won't ever tell, burned down like a fire, the last
3: drop in
0: Was written by Vlad Holiday. It was mixed, engineered, and produced by Jim Eno with assistant engineering by Grant Epley and mastering by Chris Longwood. All of the instruments were played by Vlad Holiday except for the drums, which were played by Jim Eno. You can stream, download, buy. It was always there anywhere and everywhere you listen to music Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, Deezer all of them anywhere it's there interview interview, interview. sitting here with Vlad uh in your own words what was the story about uh well it was
4: the craziest story i've ever heard um and i just want to actually start by saying i'm i'm sorry that i didn't do it justice uh this this story deserves <laughs> a movie not a song i would say this person's mom was running an illegal weed growing operation and uh and yeah and is still doing it and still kicking ass and that's pretty amazing actually
0: yeah what what were some moments from the story that stuck out to you um the raid the raid that that, that must have been insane
4: I mean she knew about it for 2 years but I'm sure she wasn't like fully aware of every I wonder if they ever had they probably didn't but I wonder if they ever had like a talk like hey if j- j- in case anything happens I'm going to burn the you know or mm-hmm. cuz obviously she knew what she was doing burning the crops
0: I I loved that her father was a politician Yeah I mean, you can't, that's why I think you're right. It's like, it does need a TV show or a movie. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, There's it's no way
4: I, you can write like <laughs> a song about all those details.
0: Maybe it was just, just talking to Zach and not knowing him uh, or anything, but she seemed a little ambivalent. Like on the one hand, she thought her, her mom was pretty amazing yeah, and like definitely recognize the cool factor yeah. that her mom grew weed, uh, but then on the other hand, also seemed like still kind of messed up about it. Yeah, did you sense that the first time you listened to it? Uh,
4: I honestly, I she has a sort of like proud tone in her voice. Yeah, that's I, that's what I took away from it, that she was like excited to finally get it off her chest to. to Probably she's never told, like, a stranger this yeah. story, you know?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. She's not allowed to really yeah. just
4: tell anybody. I mean, she can't go around telling everybody that's close to her because then that isn't, that's not a good thing either. Uh,
0: your parents don't grow weed? <laughs> um, actually, no, they don't, yeah. Yeah? <laughs> Yours? Uh, no, no, no one grows weed. Oh, yeah. uh, did it, Did you have any deep, dark secrets of theirs you uncovered as a teenager like this um my, my well my family is a
4: little weird because i, I hadn't met my dad until i was 10 uh-huh. um but there i'll tell you there was zero drug i i i grew up in bucharest romania mm-hmm. um and actually we had a kind of a crazy upbringing as well because at the time he was a journalist that spoke out against the new regime after our communist leader was like brought down. And because it was, long story short, it was the same kind of people in charge. They were just faking it to make it look like. Mm -hmm. And uh, we got, my brother and I got death threats as little kids and we were trying to escape the country. My dad got political asylum and came to America. And it took me, my brother, and my mom 10 years to um, get our visas properly.
0: To be able to come to yeah, conference.
4: so I didn't meet him until I was ten. Actually, I should do a confessional for somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I guess I learned all you know the details a little later on. But even now, like I'm, you know, I'm getting older, and I'm, I'm kind of questioning how. Like, there's a few like holes in that plot, and I'm, <laughs> I'm wondering how exactly. I don't know. My mom tells me that like there, there are opportunities for us to come. In through mexico like illegally uh-huh. but she didn't want to deal with that with two kids like as a single mom and and also it's super illegal and yeah so other than that no i didn't i i know for a fact that there were no drugs allowed in that time like mm. my parents had maybe still never tried pot even today even today oh yeah i brought him like an edible which is probably a terrible idea like try for the first time and get, like, ridiculously high. But uh, I, I brought him a brownie, and because and, my mom, like, you know, the media is, like, a little more relaxed about pot, the, the past, like. Nowadays. Nowadays, absolutely. So they're a little less afraid of it. My, my parents, or my mom at least was. She was, like, ready to try it. And my dad threw out the brownie. So I'm, like, almost...
0: 100% sure they haven't
4: smoked pot yet.
0: One thing about this story is uh, it's kind of the moment where, as a kid, she's, like, reckoning with the fact that her her mom does this, like, very illegal adult thing, you know, mm-hmm. which is a little bit like what you were saying with your parents. Like, you know, the official account of how they got <laughs> here, but yeah. now that you're older, you're sort of realizing, like, hey, that there's things that don't add up. Yeah, right there. yeah. Yeah. I like. I do like that she had such an like, open, um, like was able to communicate so openly with her mom about it now. It's yeah. It's like there's no shame around it, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool.
4: It is really cool. I wonder if it was always like that. Because, um, yeah, at 16, like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I know some people that were always like super close and attached with their parents, but usually that's like around that time when you're like, oh, mom and dad are so lame. Yeah. So I wonder how she took it in, at first, and how those first years were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She probably was... thought pot was so. No, because she was smoking pot. That must have been really confusing. That must yeah. have been very
0: confusing. Yeah, to have your to have your parents or your mom, you know, growing the thing that you associate with like good ba- Rebe- good times, being good bad. times,
4: and like yeah rebellion. Yeah, and it's like your parents, like
0: yeah, yeah. yeah yeah maybe maybe that's what I was trying to say a second ago is 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 she sort of is having this moment At first it's just opening the basement and then it's with the raid yeah but it's like oh man my mom my mom is involved with something that everyone I know thinks is so cool yeah and, it's, and this is her job yeah, you know yeah it's a pretty heavy realization for uh for a teen, yeah, do you smoke marijuana
4: i do yeah I, but i I'll, I'll be honest like I don't know so much about it. Like yeah. I didn't know of that strain, but I googled it. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> um yeah, I'm a bit oblivious to all
4: that stuff, but yeah, I mm-hmm. smoke.
0: Yeah. I guess my my last question on the the story was, you know, what what kind of personal connection did you feel with with the confession?
4: You know, I I, I tried to just put myself in her shoes. Mm-hmm. I didn't really um try to find my own connection to it at all i just try to put myself in her shoes hopefully she likes the song but uh while making it a little more a lot more vague and less detailed to the actual story it sort of just turned out about something being there that you know it was like under your nose and it's like that moment of realization it's kind of like whoa
0: yeah i you know i noticed and one thing i really liked is that the the tone of your song is Mm -hmm. kind of Darker and more sinister yeah, yeah. than the way she told it.
4: <laughs> Absolutely. I wondered if that was a bad take, but that's just kind of how it seemed, So <laughs> Yeah. But, yeah, so
0: you, you made that decision based on your just your style and I your guess voice.
4: So yeah, yeah. You know, halfway through writing it I was like, I hope I'm not making it seem like she's really upset that she didn't know 'cause it seemed to me like she was pretty stoked. <laughs> 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 at least at this point in her life, yeah.
0: It it really did seem like an actual confession. Yeah. Like, there's just this thing I hold on to all the time. I, like, can't tell a lot of people. Yeah. But, yeah, I I really got the sense that she thought her experience was very cool. Yeah. Not to get too bogged down in recording stuff. Yeah. But when you were in there with Jim, I noticed that you wanted your vocals to sound a certain way. Uh Uh-huh. And I've noticed that that is how they sound on your other recordings, too. yeah. Yeah. How how did you arrive at that? Have you always done that? I know you've been in a lot of projects and
4: No, I haven't always done that. I was just ever since I've gone I've done this solo project under my own name, I've mm-hmm. sort of done a specific vocal chain yeah. recording process just so that it's a bit more uniform, I guess.
0: What do you like about it?
4: Essentially, it's like just dirty, like kind of trying to emulate like Old shitty recordings, lo-fi, with like this big drenched in reverb thing. I don't know what I, the reverb part. I what I love about that is sort of using it as an instrument. And mm. um, a lot of my songs, including this one, are like. A little slower than what it should, (laughs) what the tempo should be, Mm -hmm. and um, that's like kind of the vibe that I've been going for, and and I think the reverb helps like fill a lot of space and like you know playing around with it to to try to make it say things.
0: What have you been writing about recently?
4: Um, I try to just write about very basic human emotions. I don't know. Yeah, and I guess it kind of always turns a little dark because. (laughs) I don't know, because maybe they are a a bit dark. What is is bad influence about? Bad influence is about, like, the little voice inside your head that tells you to do, not the bad things, but just, like, the part of you that wants to be a little more adventurous and rebellious and kind of just, like, say fuck it or, like, I don't know. It's about accepting that part of yourself and kind of... uh, it's like a love song for that part of yourself.
0: Not judging the part of you that wants to do bad things.
4: Yeah, not. Yeah, I think it's super important, actually, mm-hmm. to be aware of all of your moods
0: and all of yourself. When you know you've written a good song, mm-hmm. how do you know you've written a good song? Just just to you, on your own terms.
4: Um, I don't know. I've, I've been trying not to think about that too much, just to kind of write, but... I'll always get to this final stage when it feels good, and then you, li- you know, I'm I produce myself, so I spend a lot of time just like listening to all the parts. the The one negative thing about that is it's hard to detach from it. What I'll do is I'll get really drunk, and I'll like edit it again, or like I'll open the session and just like, bu- yeah, and just drink by myself, which sounds a little sad, but. But that's actually my technique. That's how I can truly disconnect from it and listen to it with fresh ears. Yeah. And if I like it, then that's when I know. That's that when it's you good. know it's
0: good. Yeah. That's interesting because when I listen to my own music and I'm drunk, like my records, yeah, I know I'm drunk. Yeah. Because it sounds too slow to me. Oh like, really? No matter what I listen to, I'm like, this is too fucking slow. Really? That's I funny. Fucked it up. How do we speed up the whole session? So that's really funny. Do you have anything exciting coming up? Oh uh, no, no,
4: <laughs> no! I uh, I I literally go, uh, yeah. I I just write song by song, and I'm in the middle of a couple of songs, but like mm-hmm. absolutely no plans of doing anything. And I kind of like that. I kind of like. I've been in bands and projects where you know six months ahead of time, yeah, or more. You have to actually weigh more years because of all the politics all the you know the yeah. label and like the promotion and all that stuff and man, I don't miss that. I love just being able to do something and then putting it out on my own terms and one thing I've learned doing this for fifteen years now, my first band I was fifteen, mm-hmm. like got out of high school with the record deal and all that like went into it full on as. A musician, you kind of uh, have to grab onto the parts that make it fun and like hold on to them, and mm-hmm. you can't lose that. Cause sometimes you worry too much about the business, and yeah, it shouldn't 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 be like that. It takes all the fun away from it, and when the fun's gone, the creativity's gone, and the art is bad. So I I've realized that it's yeah. it's better to just be good to yourself and and be um to cater to your own needs and to to make sure you're happy doing what you're doing
0: man can you imagine not seeing your dad for the first 10 years of your life not really. That's that's pretty
2: intense the way that happened for him.
0: Well, and, and knowing that he's alive, yeah, and not getting to see
2: him, and it's not like a neglectful dad situation either. Yeah, he left for their safety.
0: Yeah, that is that is unbelievable. Vlad is so chill. He is really chill, and I guess part of what says that is, is just hanging out with him a few times. He's a very chill guy. I imagine growing up with that kind of. Uh, backdrop for your family Mm -hmm. might make you very level-headed and easygoing
2: yeah it's funny that he said his parents didn't smoke pot because it almost seems like with all everything they've been through it's like just sitting back and having a toke might be kind of nice yeah might feel great (laughs) yeah (laughs)
0: yeah zach did
2: your parents smoke weed oh definitely they uh i know they did when they were younger and definitely lied about it tried to hide it as long as possible um but yeah I, i i know they did yeah, so they did try to hide it from you when yeah. they were teen. When you were a teen. When I was a, a teen. Yeah. yeah, I remember being in high school and finding my dad's uh, senior yearbook, looking through it. One of his friends wrote something along the lines of like, "I'll never forget the times getting high." And he wrote, "High all squiggly." And uh, I was like,
3: "Dad, what what does that
2: mean?" Being a little prick about it. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, we were high on life. It was a different time." <laughs> like, yeah. The time where you got high. <laughs> yeah, it was a different time, maybe. That yeah. part was true.
0: <laughs> I, I, after my dad passed away, uh, I connected with a lot of his friends. Mm. And this one guy uh, told me a story that I think about and always really love, which is when my dad and my brother and sister were born. And my uh, my dad was on a business trip. He was in D.C. This is just after my brother and sister had been born. And, uh, you know, they'd bought a house, you know, he's just early on young Mm -hmm. family and he's with his buddy and, uh, his buddy brings out a bong and, uh, offers it to my dad and my dad sort of self-righteously says he doesn't smoke anymore because he has young kids to think about and a mortgage and all this stuff. And his friend, no response, just hands it to him one more time. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good friend. Yeah, that's a good friend. (laughs) and, and, And my dad took a hit and... According to Mike Freemith, was just giggling his ass off yeah. and having the time of his life, a great time, listening to Warren Zevon uh, and unwinding. Uh, that's the thing about weed that I think is really great. It it tends to make people relax and just sort of be where they are, and that has always seemed to me to be a better way to end your day than tying one on. Than tying one on. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I'm always real envious of people who um, weed sits well with them. And they they you they don't abuse it because mm-hmm. it, it just seems so much easier on your body than drinking.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, it's a little like 50-50. People either get super relaxed, or it's the complete opposite, and you get really paranoid when yeah. you're smoked, and when you've smoked, and you, there's no
0: relaxing at all. This is not a state secret, but you are a stoner.
2: I uh, I don't classify myself as stoner, but I I enjoy yeah. recreational marijuana use in legal states. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and what
0: are those legal states in case
2: anyone was wondering? Colorado, Washington, Oregon, California, soon to
0: be Delaware, Washington DC, uh Massachusetts. Wow. I think it's great. I think it's so long overdue and it's amazing to see how the the conversation around marijuana has changed in the last 5 years. Yeah. It's um I mean it's just
2: Become a realistic conversation for the first time ever. Yeah, I mean the fact that my mom calls it
0: marijuana and not dope is that's, like a big. It's <laughs> a good sign for the. That's culture. legalization <laughs> in yeah. your in the Lucan's household. Totally, <laughs> but I mean, you you do smoke a fair amount of a fair amount of wheat. Yeah, more than the more than the average person, I'd and, say. And I don't think that anyone would would guess that. Probably not. First yeah. meeting you. Yeah, I've got an annoying amount of energy. Yeah. I mean, in all the times that we've spent together, I I can count only a handful that I've ever thought, oh, Zach is very stoned. And and most of the time it's because you actually tell me (laughs) that you're feeling very stoned. Yeah, fair. And yet you've been around me high so many times. So many times.
2: So many times. It just seems like it agrees with your body. Yeah, I I think more than the physical, it agrees with my mind. Yeah, Um, what do you mean by that? As in, I don't get the paranoia side of things. It is very relaxing and calming for me. And as somebody whose mind is racing and I'm thinking about a thousand different variables all the time, um, it it helps me narrow the focus, which is like, I don't like taking Adderall, but I describe my weed usage in the same way that I hear people describe their Adderall usage. Like if I need to focus on a task, I can focus on that task really efficiently if I'm a little high.
0: When... uh when did you start smoking weed like were you' a teenager
2: i I definitely like tried it a few times in high school, but not really until I was eighteen in college after my dad died is really it it started with a coping mechanism um and just kind of became a part of me from there so at this point I mean close to close to half your life yeah you know, yeah basically weed. half my life yeah wow yeah I graduated college high yeah <laughs> <laughs> I opened my first business high. <laughs> <laughs> I've built a house high.
0: <laughs> I've done some things. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I've built a house high sounds like uh like the name of a Bonnie Vare song. <laughs> yeah. Some cryptic lyric, you Give me that really Grammy get. nom. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> I I started smoking weed when I was like 13. That's pretty young. Yeah, and I liked it a lot. Yeah. Um yeah, I d- I
2: didn't and I it's funny most people that say what you said, uh those people don't smoke anymore and people like myself that started later in life, those are the people that
0: tend to enjoy weed more. Yeah. I've kind of gathered that. I think that's true. Yeah. I I think also, I mean, when you have the benefit of just having a better sense of self. Yeah. uh, That's probably true. I think you can always have a better relationship with that stuff. Had you tried the strain that her mother created? I hadn't. I had heard of it. You'd heard of it. it, But I've never
2: tried it now, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, next time we're in legal states, that'll be one of my missions, maybe.
0: Hell yeah, let's use KHTX to start soliciting weed donations. <laughs> Send us your weed. Yeah, give yeah. it to us. I think all parents have secrets from their kids. It's it's pretty normal. And, and as kids, you learn some of them as you get older. But when your parents pass away, I mean, you really learn a lot because you go through their things and people tell you stuff they wouldn't otherwise. What kind of stuff did you learn about your parents after they passed
2: yeah, one of the m- more intense things was uh, reading through their marriage counseling journals that <sighs> I knew they were going through marriage counseling when I was in high school. My sister was already in college, but so I was like kind of like only child experience and it was a very in- tumultuous time in the household. They almost got divorced and stuff, but go- reading their like intimate personal thoughts that weren't meant for
0: their children to see yeah. is
2: is pretty intense.
0: Like I, I read this thing about my, my dad realizing his father was a traveling salesman. And so when his dad would come home on Friday, he usually had been gone all week. And the MO in the family was like, don't talk to dad for a few hours. Mm-hmm. But it was also really hard for these the kids, right? Because like they haven't seen their father. Mm-hmm. They want to say hi. Yeah, they hey. want to learn about him. Yeah. And, but I guess apparently he would polish off like four or five beers. And then after he had four or five beers, you could talk to him. He could talk to him. Yeah. Well, so so my, so my dad had this realization that him as a parent, had the same unconscious expectation, which was that, like... Kids need to leave him alone for a while so he could unwind. Yeah. He hated it as a child. Yeah. So he had this realization that he was recreating the same the scenario. scenario. Yeah. You know? I remember reading that just being like... Totally. Yeah. Because you remember the child feeling of that same thing. A much... It sounds like what, I, what we experienced was, like, a much lighter version of it. Yeah. But still, just the, like... Just the very adult need to unwind Mm -hmm. and then the very impractical expectation that you can have that when you have small kids Mm -hmm. you know unless you're fucking old school patriarchy where it's like no one talks to father yeah totally that was my grandfather my dad's dad yeah
2: he was a children should be seen and not heard kind he was a hard fucking man yeah like my aunts will still talk about how terrified of him they were
0: yeah um everyone's got daddy issues yeah for sure you don't you don't come into the world and not bring some of them. So for my father, he always felt like his dad was emotionally and available, mm-hmm. but his father. So my great grandfather, I mean, he just walked out on the family. Oh, wow. But so my grandfather always felt like he was greatest parent in the world. Yeah. Cause he was like, cause he stayed. I fucking put food on the table and I stay and I show up. It's just interesting that like, That intergenerational trauma aspect. Totally. I mean, trauma is such a like buzzword now. Yeah. That I think that sometimes it doesn't resonate exactly in how it means. And when you think about intergenerational trauma, it doesn't always give real trauma true credit these days because everybody has trauma. That's what I'm trying
2: to say. I agree with you. Yes. Yeah. It's like normalizing trauma is a good thing, but some
0: some people's trauma is way more intense than other people's. (laughs) You're right. I I do think about that also with the. Mm Confessor. i mean she's obviously very proud Mm -hmm. of her mom or maybe if pride's not the right word like she thinks her she's impressed she's impressed that's a nice word for it she 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 recognizes the cool factor of yeah my mom grew weed yeah in our basement but she seemed a little traumatized yeah there's like with reason
2: yeah there's a mild amount of like normalizing an FBI raid as a high schooler. Yeah. As a teenager. Exactly. It's like, oh yeah, this thing happened. But like the reality of that would be fucking terrifying. That would be If you were a teenager terrifying. and all the cops came to your house to get your parents, which is like happening all the time these
0: days. I mean, how could it not be traumatizing? Yeah, it's gotta be. Uh, part of me thinks that that is the darkness in Vlad's song. It's always there. Is it? Is that? Yeah. The yeah. darkness is always there. The secrets are always there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Song Confessional is brought to you by KUTX And produced by myself, Zach Catanzaro, Walker Lukens,
0: Aaron Blackerby, Rylan Kettery, Jim Eno, and Mike Lee The theme song was written by me, Walker Lukens It was performed by myself, Zach Catanzaro, James Wesley Esri and it was recorded and mixed by Grant Epley at Public Hi-Fi.
2: If you like this podcast, rate us, review us, subscribe, and sign up for our email list at www.songconfessional.com.
0: I guess just to clarify, Zach, I mean, you only smoke weed where it's legal, correct? Uh, of course. But never anywhere else. No, never.
3: Yeah. Not ever. That's ludicrous (laughs) to think that people would do that.